six-yarder. The sideline goes Travis Etienne. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. Hubbard, great moves. He's got the first down and more. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Now he's going to talk. Ellinger into the end zone. Touchdown, Texas. Hello and welcome to College Football Whip Around with Austin Wales and Tyler Presvento. Tyler, seven this last weekend, or week eight, I should say. And this this weekend was awesome because we had the Big Ten return this last weekend. And, you know, let, let's jump right into it. So first game that obviously we, we want to talk about is Ohio State. Ohio State played Nebraska this last weekend. They ended up winning 52 to 17. Man, Justin Fields looked amazing in this game 20 for 21 276 yards passing two tds with 15 carries for 54 yards and one td as well man this ohio state team came out and dominated just the way that we thought this buckeyes team was going to look this year yeah absolutely justin fields was shooting on all cylinders to start the game i thought nebraska was a really uh, nice opponent to start the season against they um you know they're going to match up well on the offensive side for Nebraska, they had Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey kind of split the rushing. And Luke McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey's younger brother, and he's just as explosive as we'd think. And then on the Ohio State side, Justin Fields is the complete package of a quarterback, but he has like probably the best receiving core as opposed to Alabama um, with Chris Olave. Um, he's going to be ready for the NFL, 106 yards, six receptions. Yeah, Ohio State and the Buckeyes are going to be rolling through. But one thing I like about them being in the, in the Big Ten is they're going to have a way harder schedule for the rest of the season absolutely another team i also want to talk about in the big 10 wisconsin man graham mert looked really good he was he's a true freshman he uh he threw 21 for 21 or 20 for 21 248 yards and five tds now granted they played illinois however to see a freshman succeed this well was it, it really opened some people's eyes yeah, I thought it was amazing what he did. Um, he had a QBR of 95.8, and that just counts for everything you can do to make your team win as a quarterback. And he had one of the highest numbers of the weekend. Um, my takeaways on Mertz is that he's really accurate, and he can really do a little bit of everything. We saw him throw down field well and convert the first down, just get short yardage. That is very necessary. Um, and I think he's mobile enough in the pocket to not be like the running quarterback, but really f- make that offensive coordinator focus on having him you know, gunsling the ball down the field. And I think they're set. He's a true freshman. They're going to be, they're going to be good for a couple of years. Yeah. But you know, there's a, there's a little bit of an unfortunate case here, but Graham Mertz is actually going to be out the next three weeks because he tested positive for COVID. So that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch for this Badgers team. Cause now it means that their first string QB in Mertz is down and as well as their third string QB um, also was listed positive as well. So, man, I really hope that this team is going to continue to be able to succeed even without their first string quarterback. But again, we'll have to be able to, they just need to roll with the punches and continue to play well these next couple of weeks. They'll be I think with the, the I think um, 
over this past weekend, they had three running backs with 11 or more carries. So if they can just stick to the rushing game, keep it on the ground, then they'll be fine with their backup. Yeah, for sure. They don't really play anyone tough the next couple of weeks. They only play um, Nebraska and Purdue the next couple of weekends. And then they have the big game um, three weekends from now when they play at Michigan. So we will have to see um, how exactly they do going into those games. All right, another game this last weekend that was huge. Obviously, Clemson continued to roll over their ACC competitors. They played Syracuse this last weekend. They won 47-21. Trevor Lawrence, 27 for 43, 289 yards, two TDs, and one interception. Travis Etienne, 16 carries, 86 yards, and three TDs. Man, Lawrence just did not look himself in this game. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. He looked, this was the first game where he looked shaky. I mean, he completed a little more than 50%. Um, he still put up the 200 plus yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but that's what we're starting to expect. Um, and ETN carrying it on the, on the ground, three touchdowns, 86 yards. But yeah, you're right. Lawrence is going to have to start relying on ETN and his receivers a little more as the competition. It could be the film is just getting out. People are knowing how to attack them, but the competition could be getting better. Um, it is a weaker conference in the ACC. I don't. I, I still think Clemson will go winless. I mean, undefeated. Yeah, lossless. <laughs> um, you know, with their conference um, and everything. But yeah, Lawrence is looking more human every week, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that, man, this game is just a testament to that. It, it's showing that you know he does make mistakes, and he does. He's not going to have a game where he's going to be on this godlike status every single week. And you know, when I'm watching this game. This game was going back and forth up until about the third quarter where, you know, Syracuse was hanging in there. And then obviously Travis Etienne did what, what he does and he put the team on his back and they ended up, they were able to end up winning the game, but man, yeah, this Clemson team, they're going to be tested, you know? And I, I think that, you know, this, they got two games here within the next couple of weeks, which will be really interesting to watch. Obviously, this week they're just they're playing Boston College, so it'll be still a little, little bit of a test. However, the next week after they play at Notre Dame, and that is going to be a huge game to watch for sure because currently Notre Dame is ranked number four in the nation. So, a game that was awesome to watch this weekend as well: Michigan versus Minnesota. College game day was there, and man, this game did not disappoint. You see, Michigan ended up winning 49-24. Their quarterback, um, Joe Milton, 15 for 22, 225 yards and one TD, as well as carrying the ball, eight eight carries for 52 yards and a TD as well. Man, this Michigan team finally looked like a team that put everything together. Which is almost a testament to Harbaugh's coaching and the recruiting that he's done, putting that package together, right? Uh, I mean, for this game at least. <laughs> I mean, if I you feel- look at it though, this is, they you know they did start. This is the first game of the season. And they had to start against a top twenty-five ranked opponent, twenty-one in Minnesota, um, and they only let up twenty-four. They didn't let them score in the fourth quarter. Michigan's offense scored every single quarter. They were up 35 to 17 going into the halftime. 
Yeah, they got to start punching uh, they, they also forced two turnovers as well. So when you are in a plus margin for turnovers, you're going to have a good chance of winning the game. Absolutely. And that's like, yeah. I think that's a testament to like the complete package that Harbaugh has built in Michigan. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been years where he's had good games against the top opponents, but there's also been years where he has struggled and has not been able to move the ball offensively and not been able to stop them offensively or defensively. So, I mean, we'll see how this team really tackles Ohio State. That's really where it we we judge Harbaugh's coaching because he can't beat Ohio State. So if he can get this team to go over that hump, then he's all it. I mean, yeah, they don't really play anybody big, or yeah, they don't play anybody big until they play Indiana in Week Three. So I don't really all see. Right, well, let's much talk of... about Indiana. Is Indiana going to give them trouble? Oh man, I. First of all, let's talk about Indiana's game this last weekend. So Indiana played Penn State this last weekend. This game was a crazy back-and-forth game. Basically, what happened was the game was – so Indiana scores with a minute 20 left in fourth quarter. And then Penn State gets the ball back. They drive down the field, and they missed – a 57-yard field goal to win the game. So they went to overtime. Overtime, Penn State scores first. Then Indiana gets the ball. They score. And instead of going for the PAT and going to another overtime, their coach decides to go for it, go for the two-point conversion. What happens is this quarter, the quarterback for Indiana, he gets the ball, steps up in the pocket, and decides to take off. And... When he dives for the pylon, in my opinion, he was short. But they ended on the field. They called it a touchdown, and Indiana ended up winning the game 36-35 to 35 in overtime. So Yeah, that play was crazy athleticism just to stretch out. Yeah, they reviewed it a bunch. Um, personally, I thought, like, like, you know, the call stands. The ref did call it in the moment. Thought the ball touched the pylon. And even when you dissect that video – it's still up to your opinion and what your your original thought was. And those refs just, you know, they thought it was a touchdown. They kept it the touchdown. Game's over. Number eight, Penn State loses. And now everyone's hype about Indiana. Yeah. No, I think the biggest thing about that is, like, when you're looking at the replay, you're seeing where does the ball touch first. And obviously, when you're going to make a call on the field first, that call is going to – it's going to stand – unless there is disputable evidence to show that this call should be overturned. And just for the referees, they didn't think that there was enough evidence to show that the ball hit out of bounds first and then touched the pylon. But in my opinion, when I saw the ball, the ball, the back end of the ball, when he's holding it, touches the ground, touches the out of bounds first, and then touches the pylon. So that's why I think it was out of bounds. I didn't think it was, I, didn't, I thought it was short, but yeah, that's just one punch that Penn State is going to have to roll with. And obviously this next week they have an, an even bigger opponent in Ohio State. But, you know, I think that this is one thing that they're going to bounce back from. I think that they're yeah, going to Yeah, that's actually out. one thing I want to ask you. Like, how do you think that they will respond if they will respond at all? Kind of sounds like you think that they'll – like, how do you think they'll do against Ohio State? They'll run them three quarters or will they take them up to the end? No, that's a great question. I think that when I'm looking at this Penn State team, they're – offensively they are a very solid team this game when they were when they played indiana um sean clifford 
went off 24 for 35 238 yards passing three tds and two interceptions 17 carries for 119 yards and one td as well man offensively they're they're crushing it defensively they killed it as well they held indiana to 170 yards um, passing and 41 yards rushing Man, when you're looking at the stats, you think when, if you were to look at the stats for this game between Indiana and Penn State, you would think that, oh, this was, this was a blowout. There's no way that Indiana was in this game. However, Penn State did lose the turnover margin. So that's going to that's gonna hurt you. But I think defensively, they'll be able to hold Penn, or Ohio State to a couple different drives where they're not going to be able to move the ball that well. That well. It's just going to come down to how well can you move the ball offensively? How well can you capitalize on turnovers that Ohio State might make during the game? All right, let's go ahead and talk about this next week's games. There's some big games this next weekend. Obviously, we just talked about a little bit about Penn State and Ohio State. That's going to be the biggest game this next weekend. That's college game day is going to be there. Do you think that Ohio State is going to win or do you think that Penn State's going to win? Okay, so when I first watched the first half of Ohio State versus Nebraska, I, well, I'll be honest, I thought that Ohio State was probably going to end up with a two-loss season. I thought that the other teams in the Big Ten are actually finally be prepared to start the season. However, once the second half started, that was not the case. And I think that's what we're going to find with Penn State and Ohio State next weekend is Penn State will, will be a very even competitor. You know, defense, offensive, they'll get a turnover or something in the first half. You know, rough up Justin Fields this first couple of drives. But man, what what that Ohio State team keeps doing in the second quarter, it's like they, they it's like they learn from halftime. They they listen to their coaches and they come out and they execute. And from there, it's we always know Ohio State just runs away. Typical of Alabama and Clemson to do. And I think they're up there with those powerhouses. I think yeah, Ohio State's gonna, you know, drop probably 45 to 50 on Penn State. I'm not saying Penn State won't come close. I think it's gonna be a very high f- offensive scoring team game, because right now it's like it seems like defense is only in the SEC. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a very high-scoring game, but Ohio State just doesn't stop. Yeah, I, I I feel like that is probably going to be the case. I think that there's definitely some reason to say that Penn State might have a good chance of beating Ohio State just because their defense is – their defense has always been something that they've held – they've had pride in. They've always had a very solid defense over the years. However, I think that when I'm watching this Ohio State team, when I'm looking at receivers like Chris Olave, and I'm just watching this offensive team for Ohio State, I really find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to stop Justin Fields throwing the ball as well as running the ball. I feel like he has progressed so much as a passer and as a, uh, and as a, a mobile quarterback that he is going to he's going to take advantage of the mistakes that Penn State's going to make on defense. I think that's a great point not not just calling him a dual threat but more of a mobile quarterback cuz he definitely looks to pass first but he yeah, he can escape anything and he he's just killer. Justin Fields is is going to be up there with the Heisman's at the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Another big game this weekend. Oklahoma State versus Texas. It's going to be played at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has a three and a half point advantage right now. Um, do you think that oh, Oklahoma State is going to win this game, or do you think that 
Texas is gonna get is gonna upset them. Uh, depends who's home. Do you know who's home? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Then yeah, that Texas can't even win at home. So how are they gonna win on the road? They're the most shaky team in football. The worst part about Texas is that everyone they always give us reasons to hype them up and like believe that they're legit and that Texas is back. They have the defense, but they, I, it's starting to look above mediocre at this point. Sam Ellinger. I still think he's like more more decent than other quarterbacks, but I really don't think as a team the chemistry is not there. OK State still like still looked at as the underdog, you know, they're just the, their name. Chiba Hubbard um, isn't having the best season that we thought he was going to have, but I still think he's going to run right through the Longhorns defense. And yeah, Oklahoma State's going to put it up if they're home. That's an interesting take. When I'm looking at this Oklahoma State team this last weekend, they did not look good. Sam Sanders, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, looked shaky. He threw three interceptions this last weekend. And Chuba Hubbard does not look the same Chuba Hubbard that we've seen in past years. And I think that Sam Ellinger is going to try to make a stand for himself and try to make a stand for Texas. And they're going to go into Oklahoma State and they're going to upset Oklahoma State. If they don't, does this hurt? If they don't end up doing that, does this hurt Ellinger? Um, just as one of the quarterbacks in college, is he going to be drafted anymore? Like this will be his third loss this season. No, I don't think it'll hurt him. His draft stock. I think that he's already going to be a third round, maybe fourth round pick. However, I think that this game is going to be more for their program going forward rather than his own legacy at Texas. Okay, I like that take. Yeah, so I say that Texas wins by 10 points on that game. Texas by 10, all right. All right, so let's move into Heisman. Obviously, you said that Justin Fields is now in the contention for Heisman. So where do you rank your Heisman contenders this week? Yeah, so it's going to start with Trevor Lawrence, the man, the myth, the legend. Number two, I think Mac Jones is still, still um, killing it. I think he deserves to be number two on that list. This past weekend, he had 387 yards, um, no passing touchdowns. He had a run, r- one rushing touchdown. I think those end of the season's numbers could end up hurting him against Lawrence. Um, and then I still have Justin Fields at three. We haven't seen enough of him yet. It, this still looks like the Justin Fields that just lost to Clemson in their uh, – the semi-championship game last year. So I think he'll be three. And then I'm just going to give that four spot to Najee Harris. Nick Saban gave him 20 carries, carries this past weekend. He didn't get 100 yards. He had three touchdowns. Um, as long as he keeps getting carries and touchdowns, and he's literally splitting the offense. So the fact that Alabama has two Heisman, li- li- even if you don't consider Harris up there, Jones is, and two. Jalen Waddle Waddle's is also in the top 10 for Heisman as well. So you got yeah, three he's not players. Playing the rest of the season. I know he's not playing the rest of the season, but up until this last week, he was he was in the top ten for Heisman. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and that's where Alabama is just so scary again. They're running back, their quarterback, their whole offense is up there. Um, but I'm gonna give that number four spot to Najee Harris. I think once they get more of a defense that is gonna let him, his longest run was like 17 yards this past weekend. Once he gets explosive to 40, he's still getting 20 carries. That's gonna be like 250 yards each week, three touchdowns. Got to keep him up in that conversation. What are your Heisman's? That's a great question. You know, when I'm looking at this last weekend, how Justin Fields did, I would definitely have him in the top five, in the top four. So currently still have Trevor Lawrence at number one. I really don't see Trevor Lawrence going below number one unless Justin Fields or Mac Jones starts to outplay him. 
if if Trevor Lawrence plays like he played this last weekend, the rest of this season, I do not see him winning the Heisman this year. However, if he's going to play like he has the rest of this season, the way that he has earlier this season, I think that there's no way, no reason he doesn't win. Number two, I'd still keep Mac Jones there. Mac Jones has stepped into the role of the passing quarterback that Alabama has needed over the years. He has become, he's had comparable stats with Joe Burrow up until this, this last week, which is incredible because of the fact that Joe Burrow literally set the record for most touchdowns thrown in this season last year in college. Third, I'd put Justin Fields. Again, Justin Fields' performance this last weekend was stellar, and it was the performance that we knew that was he's capable of, and that's being able to run the ball when he needs to and also being able to air the ball out when it is appropriate time as well. Fourth, I'd still put Travis Etienne. I think that, again, Travis Etienne really is the full package in the running back that Clemson needs. I think that when I'm comparing them, comparing him to Najee Harris, Najee Harris is a very good up and down running back. However, Travis Etienne is very shifty and he is a receiving back as well. I feel like Najee Harris is definitely capable of being able to get out, get out in space and catch the ball. However, I feel like Travis Etienne's elusiveness as a back is better than Harris's. That's a great point. He definitely is very very catching back. One point I one actual thing I did want to ask about is, you know, we're both very high on Lawrence. Everybody is um, most likely going to Heisman, but bringing that point to the number one draft pick right now, if the season were to end, the Jets get that number one pick. A couple of years ago, they drafted Sam Darnold out of USC. Everyone thought that he had all the tools and pieces, not necessarily to take the Jets to the promised land, but he he would be good on a team. However, that's not the case anymore. I still think I still believe in Darnold, just not with the program he's in. Do you think Lawrence will be the quarterback to not leave his junior year because the Jets have that number one pick? Do you think he stays for his senior year? Or do you think I, that he he trusts the process? I think he pulls an Eli Manning and he says, "No, I'm not coming. I'm not. I'm not going to NFL." I when I'm looking at this Jets team, I do not believe that Trevor Lawrence sees an opportunity to actually win here. There's no pieces that the Jets have which are good for Trevor Lawrence to continue to perform with, and that's I the could, biggest. If, if he pulls a Manning, though, that could open up almost like a free agency type of thing um, for kids coming out of college, kind of picking what co- what teams they go to. So that's where I think it gets a little interesting. My best situation for him would to be his senior year. Um, don't risk, don't risk playing, trying to get traded to another team. Don't risk trying to, you know, you can get injured in the NFL. Getting injured in the NFL is way worse than in college. So I, I want to see him in the league for a long time. The longevity is important. And yeah, that's going to be scary going into that management. Yeah, you know, Man, it's just really frustrating to see that, you know, the Jets do have the number one pick because, like you said, they drafted Sam Darnold two or three years ago, and he has not been able to put up the numbers that he was putting up at USC because there's no weapons in the Jets organization. And also, Adam Gase is just an awful offensive coach. However, that's against the point. Um I think maybe that, we just start rooting. We just have to root for the Jets the rest of the season so we can see Lawrence end up on a pretty nice team. That's right. 
That's exactly what we need to do. All right, let's get to our playoff picks. Now, Ohio State has played a game, and currently, this is also really interesting, they jumped Georgia and Notre Dame to the number three ranking this last weekend. So, first of all, do you agree that Ohio State should be ranked number three ahead of Notre Dame and Georgia, even though they've only played one game? Yeah, absolutely. Notre Dame, well, see, Notre Dame and Georgia, they both have problems with it. That Notre Dame has a great defense. Their offense doesn't, yeah, they put up 43 points, but their offense doesn't produce. Ian Book doesn't score the passing touchdowns that are necessary. Georgia has a very shaky offense. And we just watched Ohio State play a complete four quarters of football, defense, special teams, offense, shooting on all four cylinders. That's why I think everyone is expecting them to be number three. I have no problem with them. I get the whole one game. They haven't played and seen enough competition compared to Notre Dame and Georgia. But if you were really stacked up Notre Dame and Ohio State next weekend, who would you have coming out? And that's where I think that's where Ohio State sits at number three above Notre Dame. Okay, I agree with that. I think that Notre Dame really has not been that great of a team this year. I agree with that. I think that Georgia, like you said, they definitely – have some very struggling pieces however i do believe that they should be number four ahead of notre dame just because of the fact that they've played some really tough teams like they played some really good games this year their defense has still been one of the best in the nation and they have not been given the credit as they're ranked number five behind notre dame i don't really feel like notre dame has done enough to be the number four team in the nation right now so, top four teams for playoffs. Tyler, what are your top four teams right now? I got Clemson. I got Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and I still am going to stick with my Cinderella in Texas A&M. I, I, I don't think any other team has come up to take that spot away. Maybe Michigan, but typically how Michigan season rolls is a little on the wavelength. So we'll see how Michigan, if they just stay on the up and up. But yeah, right now I'm going to say Texas A&M. Because like I said last week, if they went out, they're going to they're gonna play Arkansas. They're going to play South Carolina and LSU and Auburn to finish the season. So I think those are all legit contenders or competition, I mean, um, that can keep A&M in the final four. Yeah, so my four picks, I think that I just really can't agree with Texas A&M at number four because they're going to get beat by arkansas this next weekend swoo pigs baby um I think you're speaking into an existence it's gonna be a good game that's right that's right i'm 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 calling it they're gonna beat them however my top four picks clemson still at number one alabama number two i'm gonna agree that ohio state should be at number three i think that justin fields and this ohio state team continues to dominate the rest of the season and then number four i have georgia the reason why, I think that Georgia is going to win out the rest of this season, and they're going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. And Alabama's only loss is going to be an SEC championship. Therefore, they will still get a playoff bid. So that is my four picks. I like it. You're expecting them to run through. I like it. It's always good to have a Cinderella or an underdog. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode of College Football Whip Around. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you guys next week.